You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody, guys and gals. Um, obviously, you know, we're getting closer and closer here now. Uh, you know, we where we within the, you know, less than one month till training camp, and which should be a highly, highly anticipated uh, show by Hotels.com. You know, guys, look, a lot of people, it's the time of the year, you know, people putting up their, you know, posting up their trips, getaways with family and friends, use Hotels.com. Probably can find something even, you know, if it's a smaller budget, even if it's just a weekend, use Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Be there, do that, get rewarded with the folks from Hotels.com. The show, as always, available on Himalaya, Apple, Spotify, um, obviously Google Play, um, wherever you are, make sure you're following, make sure you're reviewing, giving ratings. We do appreciate that on Lockdown Browns, your local experts on all the big stories. Um, this isn't surprising, Pete, but I mean, the words, I mean, they, they basically put up camp tickets today. Within 10 minutes, they were gone. Um, you can't really be surprised with that, with the amount of you know, everything that's going into this, and it, it, even the newness, though. It's the Odell, and getting to see Olivier Vernon, and Sheldon Richardson, Kareem Hunt, obviously the local, you know, the local guy. Um, so it's great in that respect that tickets are going this fast, but it, it does seem like there are some people scooping up a whole bunch of free tickets. And I'm seeing places, I'm seeing people bring it up on social media and, you know, ter- trying to turn around and, and, you know, sell them for a profit, which is it's just a D-bag move. Yeah, I don't know if that's possible. Um, because what you have to do is you, when you go to training camp is when you're in line and stuff, they, they scan the ticket on the phone. And I don't know if you can really transfer that. But uh, I think a lot of this, you know, the whole selling out thing, I think a lot of people just said, you know, it's free. I'll reserve whatever, and if I can go, I can go, and if I can't, I can't. Um, so it's not like, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's certainly a, a palpable level of excitement, and this doesn't surprise me. But I, I think some of it is just grabbing stuff for the sake of grabbing it uh, and, and seeing if it works out later. But uh, yeah, it becomes interesting. Uh, they have to keep updating the setup there, and I, the Browns aren't really able, aren't really the ones in charge of it because they actually lease the facility um, from the city of Berea. So the city of Berea has to sort of go in and, and do some stuff to try to make this a little bit uh, better in terms of fitting crowds and stuff in there. They've added some, some, some things along those lines, uh, bleachers and things like that. Uh, but uh, it's, it's sort of a very quaint setup because it's literally, you know, it's behind a neighborhood. Um <laughs> You actually walk through neighborhoods, uh, depending on where you park, to get in. Uh, and you have people trying to sell crap and, and various stuff. Uh, either they pulled up there or they're selling stuff out of the back of their houses or whatever. But, yeah, um, like RG3 famously you know, threw a football into somebody's backyard uh, because those are literally what's right behind them. Um, so it's kind of – it has that sort of very small – time feel uh for a big time organization which is interesting um but yeah i mean there there's no question that people want to see this and if if there's a way for them to turn around and make money um they're going to figure it out uh you know which is uh, you know certainly not ideal uh but uh, it's it's just one of those things that happens 
and it's just there's always that but i mean i mean for me look if if it's something you paid money for i i guess but if it's free and you know whatever and look anybody who got shut out um and look i won't fault anybody for just taking five because you know if you're allotted five i mean you take the five anybody's looking and if we you know if we find out you can find a way to legally transfer them you tweet the show tweet me uh, i'll retweet it we'll try to do the best you can to get you in there because i know some of you it's the parent thing and it's something you want to go do with your kids i understand maybe some of you don't care about this um and you know this is kind of my thinking with training camp and with preseason and i did this all last year with pete is, is i kind of watch it with like three quarters of my vision closed because it's just like okay Everybody's healthy. Let's get through one more drive. Let's get through one more quarter. Because last thing you want is anybody getting hurt you know, when nothing freaking matters, obviously. Um, so there is that aspect. For anybody who did get shut out, look, I mean, I'll try to help you out the best I can you know, with retweets or whatever. And if we find out there is a way you can you know, transfer them over. And you know, some of these people are saying that who are selling them. But then again, you, know, you don't know if they're... That's believable or not. Uh, you know, maybe try to do a little bit more homework on that type of stuff. Uh, Pete, our boy Richard Higgins was on radio today and uh, still doing this. Now, what is it, three weeks later? Um, you know, and uh, people they talk about what's coming, not, not, not what's gone. But, you know, they put Richard in an awkward situation where he's got to talk about the Duke Johnson thing and, you know, does the best he can. But it's just weird that they pe- keep putting these guys. I mean, I understand there's not much else, but I mean, with all the promise of this year, why well, keep talking about this nonsense? Well, you know, that's part of it is there's nothing else to really go with. So let's go with the low hanging fruit, which is what that is. And, you know, this seems to be uh, certainly something under the asked and answered type um, situation. Uh, Jarvis Landry obviously covered it. It doesn't sound like Hollywood Higgins said anything any different than Jarvis Landry did, but we're going to keep getting this. And I think we're going to keep getting the same answer uh, and hopefully it'll eventually go away, but it's not like it's not a real issue. It's completely contrived and meaningless, but that is sort of how it goes. And, and like, I don't, I did, I haven't heard the interview yet, so I don't know how it was asked, but I, I don't know if they start with, we have to ask this uh, like type thing. Cause you don't, um, there's plenty of other things to ask him, and, and I'm sure they did. But that, you know, it. it I, I hope it didn't sort of set the interview on a, you know, a different pet, like a, sort of stop the rhythm of the interview or anything like that, or maybe send it in a direction it wasn't supposed to go or anything like that. Because there is plenty to talk about and everything with, with uh, especially him uh, and what you know. Th- this is a guy who. You know, almost from the second he was a restricted free agent, you know, talked about being up around the entire time. There was like never any hesitation. Um, it, I, I would have been curious to ask about that type of stuff. Uh, and then obviously some of the things he does individually and those type of things. But, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that, that that seems to be something that's hanging out there when there's way more interesting things to ask. Well, and especially, I mean, the first things first is you want to talk about what it, you know, it took for a fifth rounder to find a good spot here. You want to talk about the fact that he was almost done with this franchise uh, and then basically resurrected, you know, you could talk, you know, him and Baker, look, Hollywood, come talk with those who appreciate you. That would be locked on Browns. Um, You know, so, but but you're not going to even, look, even with Baker, you know, saying that day, which, you know, I, yeah, I'm sure everyone knows now, look, you, don't, you know, nobody in that locker room is talking about anybody else. So those days are over. 
Um, but so, I mean, if you're looking to get that rehashed or, or you're hopefully to maybe find something spicy, it, it's not going to happen. I mean, you had your little slip up there. It's not going to happen again. Ask him about the new additions. Ask him about Odell. Ask, I mean, hell, you could do 20 minutes with Rashard Higgins just on that wide receiver room as it's currently constructed, and uh, it would make for make for a great, great 20-minute segment. Uh, so, you know, look, enough of that nonsense, Let's get, you know, with, with that. But, Pete, you know, I, I know you do believe it. Are you 100% Duke Johnson is here opening day? Yeah, but the, the- as it has been explained to me, he's here eight games and then trade. Boom. Done. Obviously, some things could factor into that. But, you know, hey, let's, uh, you know, good for Duke. And if it turns out to be a scenario, and look, I mean, obviously, there's always going to be running backs needed. Um, you know, hell, you got to pick for Carlos Hyde, Pete. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, I mean, that was one of the, you know, that was like the best case scenario. You signed him. Uh, you know, gave him $6 million for that one year. I, you know, and some of that he obviously got paid out by Jacksonville, but you got to pick for something you didn't actually need or use. And as soon as it became disposable, you, you, you cashed it in. It was great. Uh, that had, uh, get nothing out of it and, and cut him, um, by the end of the year written all over it and they got an asset for it. So that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, for a guy who would have, you know, you would have been, you know, telling a veteran you're not even dressing on game day because that's where that scenario was headed. So, uh, you know, fantastic job by them on that. Uh, Pete, did you catch this one today? Uh, Jack Del Rio, I guess, was being interviewed somewhere. And during the 2011 draft, Jaguars were about 10 picks away or whatever, I guess. Jack runs out to go hit up this spread, get himself a sandwich, looks at the TV where the food is, realizes the Jaguars are on the clock, and as he's walking down the hallway, finds out the Jaguars drafted playing Gabbard. I saw the that that part of it. I didn't hear if there was, like, any other explanation of, like, you know, we went to the draft and we were planning on doing this, and then I turned around and this is happening. Like, if it was the Butch Davis gut feeling type thing, it, that – it sounds like an indictment of the organization, and certainly it is. But like, what the hell? What the hell did Jack Del Rio think was going to happen? If if if, if that, like there had to be some other scenario that he thought was going to play out. It, it's mind-boggling to me that that he was stunned by something, um, <laughs> like the idea that, or or there's like some you know pernicious idea that like. The second he left the room, they made a you know they made the, like this this heist of sorts. Like it just sounds really stupid for all all, all people involved, like and, and including him. So I don't know, you know, it, it sounds like a great story. I wish I knew more of it, but it really paints the Jaguars uh, at that time, including him, in a really bad light. Well, and for me, I look at it two ways. Um, you're drafting a quarterback who now is essentially you know. His future is staked to Jack Del Rio's future. So you might have wanted him in the room when you were actually contemplating doing that. And for me, the other one is uh, you ain't you ain't got an intern or somebody in that room that can go run down, throw some cold clubs, peat on a couple of pieces of rye bread, and run it back to the head coach, for God's sakes. He's out grabbing his own sandwich. Yeah, that's... Um... Like, I'm sure somebody in that building knew what Jack's go-to was when it came to a sandwich. Well, that, but, like, how far was this walk? Like, it feels like he had to walk to, like, like, uh, like a, a Jimmy John's, like, down the road. 
that it was th- that this all happened in the time he was, or, or he was making like a freaking, you know, like a cartoonish size. Like I'm thinking back. I'm thinking back to school. Rodney Dangerfield when he's making a whole oh, great small food and he makes that big ass whopping freaking sandwich. Yeah, it's like that, or, or like the uh, you know, like a twenty foot long sub. Like, what the hell? How 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 intricate of a sandwich making process does this man have that they could do all of this while uh, while he was get just in the time he was getting a sandwich? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I mean, if it was good pastrami or you know some good corned beef, I mean, it's it comes down to a tough decision. So, I mean, maybe the spread was too good and it was just too hard for Jack. Uh, Maybe he appreciated the erotic qualities of the uh, cured salt, meats. Yeah, the cured meats, yes, yes, yes. You know, you remember the pastrami scene? Oh, the pastrami scene! <laughs> oh God, Seinfeld, you guys were, you're missed, you're missed. Pete's gonna tell you about the fine folks over at Blue Chew, and then we got uh, a couple fun redo, uh, redo uh, draft stuff here for you guys. Yeah, as we entered day two of uh, of, of trouble at the Lloyd household, we we visit. <laughs> Uh, and, and the birthday that will never really live down. Uh, yeah, the, the folks at Blue Chew, and, and clearly Jeff dropped the ball, and hopefully the rest of you aren't and have learned from his hard lesson that may or may not have involved uh, call, calls to a lawyer and paperwork. Um, look, it, it's all about improving performance. It's all about uh, consistency. It's all about making sure when you're in there, you're, you're at your best and, and, and winning that war against the machine and blue shoes. there there to help you. And you know, the, be- the best part about it is it, it, it's, it's easy. It's quick. And, and nobody's going to sit there and, and think anything of it. Uh, especially not the wife who's, or you miss your opportunity. And now we're talking about who gets the kids and that's not a situation. And so blue, like the color to C H E W promo code, Locked on. And, guys, we already have our emergency plan. The oldest goes with me because right now her and the her and Mrs. Lloyd. Let me tell you, kids at, daughters at 12 and a half, they might as well be 15. There's really no difference. They are ticking time bombs. And the wording you use around them, you must be very, very, very careful. And then the wife and the youngest, they're just two freaking hippie peas in a pod and just, you know, come and go like there's nothing. Actually, even last night, we were getting ready to record, and I told Pete, I was like, uh... I was like, I'll be ready in a couple seconds. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, youngest is going for a haircut. You know, everything's spontaneous, shooting by the hip, all that good stuff. Um, so, you know, there's that. But uh, obviously, Blue Chew. And thanks for the sponsorship of Lockdown Browns. Uh, now, this was uh, from Corey Kinman. And uh, if I'm recalling correctly, right, Pete, Corey's kind of the one that ended up with your gig over at Spin Zone, correct? Yeah. Okay. The, uh he he became the uh, the the guy covering covering the Browns for NFL Spin Zone, and he's he's doing a great job with it. Uh, more power to him. And in, and is continuing to carry the NFL Spin Zone brand of Jarvis Landry may not be as great as you all think he is. So Corey, good on that. So I mean, good to keep some of that Pete Smith legacy alive over there. Um, he actually, I guess he's got this piece coming out here, so I, I mean, I hope he don't blow up his spot and basically just steal it. We don't know it, so. Well, it, to be clear, it's his own stupid fault. Uh, he, he put it on the tee, yeah. He, pri- he primed the pump and then goes, oh, by the way, I'm doing this as a story. Yeah. Don't don't take all the guys I wanted. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, you might have wanted to say this, like, tomorrow after your piece had had a nice eight, nine-hour run. But, uh, nah, Corey, uh, Corey seems like a good guy, and, and he's definitely put in the work. So uh, if you're not checking it out, uh, 
Corey Kinnon, uh, he's uh, you know basically taking over for Pete at NFL Spend Zone, and but yeah, but seriously, he is busting his busting his ass. Uh, so if you guys are not following or reading his work, uh, get him in the rotation. Good dude. Um, sh- all right, uh, day three redraft of the 2017 draft. Since Howard Wilson hasn't played a down, and none of the other four are on the roster anymore, is Howard Wilson still on the roster? Technically. Techn- I mean, yeah, he is. I mean, and you just feel absolutely miserable for the freaking kid. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, so Pete, it was, you know, and, and you go back and look at it, and yeesh, I mean, just absolute, blah, I mean, you literally want to put your finger down your throat because you, you want to get that vomit out of your body as fast as possible. Right. Um, so, like, I have long been critical of the Browns on day three of drafts. Uh, and, yes, this goes back to Sashi Brown. Obviously, this is a Sashi Brown draft. Um, I hated all their day three picks other than Zane Gonzalez, uh, who, was, who was a great pick. Uh, and I wish he was still here, but ultimately, you know, it didn't work. But what's fascinating is, you know, and people, people go, well, data's stupid. Uh, all these, you know, all these analytical things are, are dumb. And you go back and you look at it, and the guys who are crushing it right now, the guys you w- wish you had, all coincidentally, maybe, uh, are crushing it. So, for example, uh, Howard Wilson went in the fourth round. They traded up for him. Uh, you know, he profiled as a slot corner, and obviously his knee, his base, you know, his, his lower body has completely betrayed him. And uh, so, like, there are two players that stand out that you would absolutely kill to have with that pick. They were both available, and they didn't. neither one went to the fifth round in that early part. Uh, and, but the one I would take based on, and this is a more honest evaluation because I had a second-round grade on him at the time uh, and would look great right now, is, uh, is uh, what's his face? Desmond King from Iowa, who goes 151st pick for you know, to the San Diego Chargers as that as slot DB, and he's great. But the guy that everybody's really kicking themselves about is George Kittle, who went in the fifth round and is sitting there, uh, obviously having a, a great, great early uh, career with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but no, I mean, Desmond King is one of those guys who's the envy of the league. And a lot of people thought he was like a day two guy. And, you know, he had outstanding production. Uh, his athleticism was great. And it seemed like he was knocked for his top line speed. But he was like an insanely agile player uh, and had pretty good explosiveness. And all he, you know, the, the, he had a ton of interceptions and everything else. He's a really good press corner. Uh, and he got moved to sort of this slot slash safety role. And he's been great. And you're sitting there and it's one of those where you go back and you're like, of course he's good. You know, this was, this was obvious. So um, second guy they also traded up for. Fifth round, Roderick Johnson, who I said immediately couldn't play dead. Just one uh, thing on Rod, and now here was the thing with Rod Roderick Johnson, and as you guys know, I'm a big, big time Florida State fan. He wasn't sure if he was declaring or not. You know, uh, came on late his freshman year, had a really good year. He was actually the guy that kicked Cam Irving into the interior offensive line. So now we're going to blow yeah. in a couple other drafts. Sorry about that one. Um, he wasn't sure if he was going to declare or not. Um, Florida State basically said, we're not sure how much playing time we're going to have for you. And please keep in mind that in 2017 and 2018, Florida State had some of the most horrific offensive line play going. So imagine, you know, that's how bad it was that they didn't think they needed Rod Johnson. Meanwhile, their offensive line sucked anyway. But go ahead, Pete. 
Well, there's a couple things with that. Uh, first, that uh, that was when uh, last the, year of Jimbo, first year of yeah. Well, they, that was like the end of the era where they had that jackass offensive line coach who insisted, even when guys jumped off sides and were running at your quarterback full speed, your job was not to move. <laughs> like what? First, it's a free play. Second, it is a free play. So they can come kill your quarterback for free. And your offensive line was literally sitting in their stances to show some great discipline. Like, it was one of the... I cannot believe this was actually done on any level. And it happened all the time. Like, it was in it, just incredible to me. Anyway, um, but yeah, Roderick Johnson was terrible. They They had... More tackles than they had other things, so they basically decided that uh, Cam Irving would... Roderick Johnson was a tackle only. He could not do anything else. So they felt like their best five in the field, they had to move Cam Irving inside. He was actually great uh, in, in that early returns as a center because he was just bigger and stronger than everybody else, uh, but he had no technique, so that's how he went as high as he did. So he goes in the fifth round. Again, they traded up for him. He could not play dead. Options you could have taken. Um, these are not as great, I don't think. But guys who stand out, I think Tristan DeCoud, uh, I don't know if he's still going or not. Um, one that you, I know you liked, Aaron Jones, the running back from UTEP. I was really on him myself. Uh, but the, the thing is, there's a lot of running backs in this thing that did well. That's why you don't take running backs early. In fact, the, the last pick we talked about, Marlon Mack, was in that fourth round after Howard Wilson was picked. Obviously, he's done quite well for himself. Uh, boy, the Jets and Giants made some awful picks. Wayne Gallman. Ugh. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we, get to, we get to this. this. There's not as many like obvious guys. But the pick, guy picked right after uh, Roderick Johnson is a guy who can play. I don't know if he would be a great player here, but he would certainly be able to play depth is Anthony Walker. I loved him at Northwestern. I wish he was more athletic, but his production was just incredible. Uh, so he, he, you know, he's, he's as good as anything else. I think when I actually did my redraft, I gave them uh, somebody who could play. Uh, but uh, anyway, I think most of the guys I had taken, like was, I had like Pat Ricard, who's still playing for the Ravens. Uh, but anyway, after that, sixth round, Caleb Brantley. Uh, <laughs> you know, another one I said, you know, even once you got past the whole, the accusations, which were, you know, he was genuinely cleared. Uh, he was cleared. Cleared from. I mean, they, they, they had video evidence that he had not done anything wrong. He was still a lazy shit who was awful on tape. Uh, like, he was a guy who's, when he wanted to be pretty good, he could be pretty good. But he Otherwise, just, he just got out of his stance and stood up like he, the six foot five guy he was. Yeah, and this is one I, I nailed, uh, and, and the guy would be playing right now for the Cleveland Browns, uh, taking one, two, three, four, five, uh, five picks later. Xavier Woods uh, from Louisiana Tech. He was another guy that a lot of people were really high on. This is, you know, this is one of those where draft Twitter, like with, with Desmond King, these are two guys, both safeties, where, where draft Twitter can raise their hand and go, we had this right. He was another guy who was – extremely productive for Louisiana Tech, like otherworldly productive and a great athlete. And I talked to him before the draft and I remember talking to his agent, like, and it was getting like no traction. It was sort of like our confusion this past year with uh, the kid from Temple. 
uh, Michael Dogbay, where you're sitting here going, yep. why is this not like a thing? And and But yeah, my, Xavier Woods is a starting safety uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. He's a really consistent player. He's actually uh, the guy that had them let them move Byron Jones back to his natural position at cornerback. Yeah, like he he was monstrous. But some other guys I really liked and haven't hit yet or may never, like Robert Davis uh, from Georgia State, a wide receiver taken by Washington. Um, he had measurables like Josh Gordon in production, but he was raw as hell, uh, dropped a lot of balls, but he was just an absolute freak if you haven't figured it out. Um, so, oh, Tanner Vallejo was taken that sixth round as well. So the Browns did cash in, I guess, eventually for like a minute. Um, I remember I, I remember a couple times last year, why the hell is Tanner Vallejo playing <laughs> in the base D? What is going on right now? Poor guy. Uh, Seven rounds, Zane Gonzalez. Uh, look, I love the pick. I thought it was a very lo- logical pick. Clearly, it hasn't worked. Um, if you're trying to look for some other guys that would have worked better, um, oof, this is tougher. Uh, Isaac Rochelle, probably, who went literally the pick after, has been pretty solid for uh, the Chargers. Uh, Jalen Ware, uh, the offensive tackle from Alabama State, hasn't really panned out for the Oakland Raiders, another freakish athlete. A guy I loved at the time uh, was Elijah Lee, linebacker out of Kansas State. Uh, Minnesota drafted him. Uh, I think he's floating around on on some other team right now. Uh, Seventh-round pick, Brad Seaton, is currently on the Browns. Uh, He's competing for a job. He's an enormous right tackle. Uh, Jack Tacho. Uh, was a draft pick by the Minnesota Vikings, who was great in the AAF this past year, and a guy. I, I there's a couple guys I really liked at the end of the seventh or the end of the seventh round. Patrick O'Connor, who's currently sitting uh, with the Lions, I believe, uh, is a another one of those uh, Eastern Michigan the Emus uh, freaky athlete, long body, great uh, production type guys. Uh, he was in Tampa. He may be in Tampa now. Uh, he, he's one of those guys who was like, you know, like a reasonable project type defensive lineman that you want to work with. Um, the Bengals took Mason Shrek. Uh, I think he's been a guy who's just had run into absolute injury hell for them out of Buffalo. Uh, and then, uh, the last pick before the seventh round ended was, was when the Browns took Matthew days. Uh, and, and, you know, this is, this is where, uh, I, I, I was high on, uh, Patrick Ricard was ultimately undrafted free agent. Um, out of, uh, he was out of, out of Maine, the black bears. Uh, and now he's currently, obviously currently a Baltimore Raven who has a, a dual role as a fullback and defensive tackle, uh, which, you know, I, I think, you know, he could contribute on the, on the Browns right now. He, he may ultimately get cut, I suppose, by the Ravens this, uh, this year. I will see how that goes, but, uh, yeah, they, they got, you know, nothing out of day three, which is a, a consistent criticism I've had with them. Uh, obviously, they've they've gotten some really nice players out of it. Uh, you know, Jannard Avery looking like you know the star in terms of that type of thing. Um, and I really like Drew Forbes and some of these other guys they've taken, but some real question marks too. Yeah, and, and the thing with uh, Desmond King, and you know, I was one that soured on him a little bit. It was never fifth round souring. It was he's not a first round pick. But he can basically do everything you ask in the secondary. And he was, you know, Desmond King is kind of that chess piece. You can just, you know, there's things you know he does really well. And I don't think he really has a weak spot. His weak his weak spot would be, you know, like you said, he doesn't have the elite speed. Um, but uh, 
we saw this firsthand last year, guys. Desmond King with two interceptions. Obviously a fantastic year. Um, he will cash in. <laughs> he will cash in shortly on being a fifth-round pick, and he'll make that money back, and deservedly so, but a very solid football player. Um, also, I mean, could you just think about the possibility of running some sets with David Najoku and George Kittle? I mean, whoo! That, that'd be fun. That, that'd be really fun, and obviously it was, you know, really nice uh, to visit Revisit some turds um, in Rod Johnson, Caleb Bant- Brantley. Uh, Rod Johnson still in the league, which blows my mind. This is how bad. Is he still sticking around, Houston? Is he still sticking? He's like Houston's seventeenth string. Uh, Houston's seventeenth string offensive tackle right Which now. means he could be starting week one. Yeah, and he may not be bad. May not be that much worse than the guy starting because of how they've done it. Well, I mean, you know, you get snowed and you get blowed over, and then the next thing you know, you get jumped and you lose the guy you were. Waiting on drafting, and, you know, Philadelphia just shows what good organizations do, and they go ahead and just blow up your spot because, you know, you're Houston, and that's why you haven't had offensive line play in a long, long while. Um, more coming from Pete and I here in a second as we get to um, some more. Uh, we have another fun one here we're going to get to as far as, you know, on this type of thing. So uh, appreciate everybody for listening along. All right. Now, uh, obviously, Corey, thanks for that. That was fun. Uh, hopefully, we didn't destroy your article, but maybe we possibly would have. But maybe we did. But you know, that's fine. Um, this would be from Patrick. I'm gonna uh, hopefully I pronounce it right. Patrick Mullen at Patrick Mullen M O U L I N. Hopefully, I'm saying it right. Uh, he he basically jumped in off of Corey's on the the what if so. What if the Odell trade didn't go down? So that left you with pick 17. You would still have Jabril in the house. You would, well, yeah, you would still have Kevin Zeitler. No, you wouldn't have Zeitler in the house because that was the Olivia. Uh, hmm, that's an interesting one. So we'll- You're basically asking us to undo both Giants trades in this scenario. Yes, which means you have Dillard at 17. Um, you'd obviously, hopefully, passing, you know, finding a way to address that um, uh, DN position, but... And then uh, redo the entire fifth round with all three picks there. First one is don't ever draft a freaking kicker. Well, I mean, so we have – the first one they they traded, um, that was to go up and get uh, Sheldrick Redwine. So we're still down a fifth-round pick. We still got – but we're still – we're we're back with the other two. So it's Mac Wilson and Austin Seibert. Shockingly, I'm going to go ahead and get rid of both of these picks. Um, uh, it's tough though. Like Mac Wilson, I, I hated the pick. It's, I mean, I, I still don't think it's going to work. Um, it, like guys, you could have had Justin Hollins would fill that pass rusher role. He's a you know he's a a package guy. Uh, Blake Cashman is a guy that if you wanted another linebacker, you know, it's not- so weird because like the, I don't even know if there's going to be a role with him for, for, in the Jets with the Jets Blake Cashman because the one thing they have is a bunch of linebackers. Yeah, it's one of the, the knocks on him are obviously the medical with his shoulders and then his short arms, which well, that's a little a little too much for me. But if you're asking me what I would have drafted given the opportunity, it would have been the guy that and I and I I, I praised the shit out of this pick when it was made. It was Dalen Mack, Baltimore Ravens. Um, you look, I, I I God knows I get it enough from Hiram talking about how great the defensive line. If defensive tackle depth is on the Cleveland Browns. Where there's like um, 10 tackles between anybody who's not a starter. Career, but God. All the fourth preseason game highlights um, 
but Dalen Mack is a stud. I think he's going to be great for the Ravens. I think he would have been a great pick for the Browns to get that full-on run stopper depth for Larry Ogunjobi. I, I you know, and 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 God willing, you know, if it's Daniel Equale, who I know Joe Batonio liked on our podcast, um, or if it's Carl Davis is is better than the, you know he, he's a better player than last year suggests or it's somebody else, Brian Price, whatever. I think Dalen Mack is a guy who has legit franchise-type ability, You know, not just a guy who comes in and can fill a hole. I think he's a guy who could potentially be a starter down the road, if not more than that. Um, and then the Austin Seibert pick, um, look, it, it, to me this is too easy. Um, I, I would take the guy who went 177th overall. Uh, that's Saquon Hampton. Uh, I... I'm fascinated to see how he does uh, with the Saints who like to gather up all the safeties I like. Mm-hmm. And, yes, they do. Uh, but he's a guy athletically. Um, I, I love how long he is. He's a, he's an aggressive tackler. He's got good ball skills. He offers some slot ability in addition to some true safety ability. But there's some other guys that are interesting here. Uh, that would easily be my pick. But the other one I'm kind of curious to see uh, and so much of this is medical, is David Long Jr., for, uh, the linebacker. West that Virginia. Went to West Virginia. Loved, we loved him. Yeah, I mean, he went to Tennessee. Uh, and, I'm, you know, again, there's so much to not know about him in terms of the medical and how he would have actually tested. I just happen to love what he put out on tape. Travis Fulgham uh, went to the Detroit Lions out of Old Dominion. I actually think that's a great fit. Um, to me, I, I don't know if he's a great fit for the Cleveland Browns uh, based on what he does, but he's a, he's like a big, strong uh, possession receiver who knows how to get open and, and move the chains. And, and I think for Detroit, that's that could be a really nice pick for them. Uh, certainly, you're never going to complain about that for the Browns. But I, I, I just, um, in terms of what I sort of envision in my head in terms of what fits Baker Mayfield, I'm still super high on getting guys who, who can do something after after the catch. And and Fulgham isn't bad at it. I just think he's more of the true possession, to, which is, you know, not bad. Certainly not at that pick. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I like Odell Beckham, you know, is a guy who can take a slant and go to the house. Antonio Callaway, a guy who can take a slant and go to the house. And Rashard Higgins has some possession ability, but he's, his feet are so good in terms of his ability to sort of prepare how he catches the ball and then shift his weight and balance to move after he catches the ball a little bit more than that. Um, and, and the thing with Richard though, is he is, and this, and this is probably why he, you know, we talk about this, why he and Baker coexist as well as they do. He's just very intelligent, and Richard finds he's fantastic at, and this is one thing, you know, I was always preached, it's, you know, Wherever the ball is, just make sure, you know, you're literally boxing out. Give yourself the best advantage. And Rashard is fantastic at that. You go, uh, I, I, was it the, I think it was the Falcon game where he called, you know, you know Baker rolled out and it was, you know, dropped a dime. But it's, you know, making sure the, you know, the ball is coming to you and the defender is behind you. Give yourself the best opportunity to make the play. And Rashard is just, you know, even though he's not the elite Athlete at the position, as some of these other guys are. He's not a guy. He's not a slouch by any means whatsoever. 
but the inti- the intelligence matches the athletic ability. And look, there's some guys who are just freak athletes and get it done that way. But when you can, you know, the more intelligent you can be as a player, and th- and that is what the gift that Rashard Higgins is is as is as talented as he is, he's just got a brain for the position. If you ever wanted to be any type of wide receiver coach or a, a trainer of any of that stuff, he could certainly do it. And Rashard is just a treat to watch do his craft. Yeah, it's uh, he's one of those where you, you, you look at his testing numbers and you're wondering, and, and a lot of people would say the same thing about Jarvis Landry, to be fair. How is how is it that, you know, middling? And, and, and uh, you know, Richard Higgins aren't nearly as bad. They're just not good. They're not like you're seeing anything that's really impressive. You, what you what you what you saw with a guy like uh, Richard Higgins when you when you watched him is like you're, you nothing he's doing is overwhelming, but he just really understands how to how to do it. He understands how to create space, and 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 he, you know, the the stuff where he looks like he's sort of evolved from college. If you watch him in college, he does all this shit with, like, fakes and, and moves upon moves that I don't know how long it would have taken for him and, and at what I, at the time was Garrett Grayson to get on the same page because he was just doing stuff where it was like, it, it's almost like he, like you watch him on tape and you're like, how is the quarterback not fooled by some of this stuff? Because he would just, like, put in extra stuff and he'd shake guys but you're going. How's the quarterback know? And I, and I have to assume it was just a matter of, uh, you know, reps and reps and reps and and sort of like, you know, rehearsing and sort of getting him to know, get, getting Garrett Grayson in this case to know what was going on. Um, that's um, that's that's sort of interesting. So if, you know, if if he's ever one to you know where I, I get to ask him about that is one of the things I'd love to ask him is about that his his stuff at Colorado state, because I, I watched it in some of the time I was just, how the hell is Garrett Grayson knowing to throw the football? Um, and it's actually funny you bring this up because uh, were you saying it reminds me of Braxton Miller at the senior bowl. It reminds me of what Braxton Miller was trying to do down in Houston. And it's like, dude, just okay. When you get to the cut, that's fantastic. But what was the first three steps for? Because it was a lot of freaking wasted motion, which you were never supposed to do as a wide receiver. And uh, and remember, he had that one that one wowzer at the Senior Bowl where it literally dropped a guy on his ass, which is great. You can do in a one-on-one where you've got you know the entire field to work with, and everybody blew up about it. And all of a sudden, you know. Oh, Braxton Miller's gonna kill it, and it was just like, well, that's not really a route. I mean, that's kind of like a, it's kind of like an N one tape, uh, you know, the old freaking, you know, the pickup basketball or whatever. And obviously, it never worked out for Braxton Miller, in which I, you know, a lot of people wanted to beat me up over. And I said, I, I, I see a guy breaking ankles. I don't know if I see a true receiver here. And you know, obviously, Rashard now has obviously toned it down so much, and now you are in sync with a quarterback like Baker, and it wouldn't have worked, you know, as you as you mentioned, without a lot of work on Rashard's, because him and Baker wouldn't have worked for what Rashard Higgins was, you know, coming out of Fort Collins. Right. Uh, that that it, he would have taken one off the ear hole <laughs> because he wouldn't have been out of his cut yet. Right. So this is you know, and and part of this wonders the question. You know, this has, begs the question of, um, you know, how much uh, Richard Higgins' development is sort of figuring out how to 
be more efficient in his routes and, and, and figure out ways to get to the point he needs to get to with less, you know, let's call it wasted motion, but less um, extra extra moves or whatever, however you want to put it. Special Versus, sauce. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so much of the, 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 like, the, yeah, that's a good way to put it. E- extra, extra sizzle on his, on his routes versus how much of this is actually finding a quarterback who's really good. And I have a feeling it's more both than it is one-sided. Like I you know, if you sit like you said, I don't think that if Rashard Higgins had a great quarterback um those first couple years that he was going to be great um by virtue of that. I, I still think there would have been so a little bit of a learning curve with sort of how to making that those adjustments, which again, that's those are things I'd love to ask him, and maybe maybe those happened on 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 his interview today. I doubt it. I'm in fact I'm guaranteeing it didn't happen. <laughs> of but that, not. those are things those are things I would be interested in. Uh, no, and Pete, come on, you know that it would it would require some work, and it would require knowing Rashard Higgins before he actually showed up and was drafted uh, by the Cleveland Browns. Before we start to put a bow on this, um, Pete, obviously you've been. You know, to some Browns training camp practices over the years. Give some highlights and some low lights. Low light. I, I mean, I, I never, you know, I never really go there and like think, oh, this sucks. And I, it's not like I've been there when somebody went down, you know, or some horrific injury. And then last, like last year, I went and Corey Coleman had like his best day of practice ever. I and remember then- doing that. Episode. I remember we were talking about it. And you're like, I don't know what anybody's talking about. He was not covered today. You met, and I remember you talking about Jarvis Landry saying you brought him in, you paid him all this money, and he was the second best wide receiver on the field today. Yeah, and, I, and, and, and like I, I, I ended up uh, meeting up with with Briston, I think the next day, and he was saying the same thing. He was like, was, but he had been there more days, so he was basically saying that was literally his best day of practice. So like Corey Coleman was fantastic and. And I, I, if anything, I would say my low light would be um, fans who were there to basically ride players. Like it was irritating as hell watching watching them slowly. Like first, Corey Coleman get like it, the day started and Corey catching uh, Coleman dropped some stupid ball. Shouldn't have. It was like you know. It was like it was walkthrough. It was like so. It was a everybody's laughing at him. Whatever. And then he starts catching passes. Like oh, he caught that one. And slowly he's like winning them over. And meanwhile, David Njoku is getting crushed, just crushed by people who are like, you know, just just riding him because he he was he had a couple drops. It's like, like I I, I I'm sorry. I like. I understand, like, it's your right to boo and all these things, but you literally went to practice, took time out of your day to go boo, theoretically, your team's players who are, at, at the moment, trying to get better. Like, that's, that's like, in, insane to me. But that, that would be my low light. But, no, I mean, most of the time it's, like, just sort of, uh, you know, it's fun. I, I like uh, seeing stuff, but, you know, I, I – sort of have a, an evolved appreciation for training camp because I, I look at it through a coaching lens and, and every year my, my takeaway has been, uh, especially with Hugh Jackson, the fuck are these practices so slow for? There's so much right. walking around 
and like between stations and shit. I don't know it's how. It's not like you're coming back in three hours and doing doubles, dude. You only got X amount of time. You better make it crisp and clean and get the freak out. And you have 90 dudes. Like, yep. you have 90. You should be able to constantly just be pounding out reps. And there's Next so much- unit up. Next unit up. Yeah, like, to me, that's the thing that drives me nuts is how slow NFL practices go. And the thing is, they they think they're going really fast, and they aren't. They are really, really slow. <laughs> Um, yeah, so some of you folks, and that's the thing to take out. Look, uh, you know, I don't imagine the ribbing or the, you know, and you didn't pay your money for a ticket. They were free. Um, but I don't think that's something that's probably going to go on this year, um, as it shouldn't. Um, and the other thing is, you know, David Njoku, I mean, and it, it, you know, look, Corey Coleman, there were drops, and I know it goes back to that drop in Pittsburgh, and it was Corey Coleman's fault the team went 0-16 because, you know, everything was going so swimmingly that year. And, wait, you know, wait, 115, you don't know. Different different deal. This team is in a complete different if they go 115 that year. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, Hugh Jackson's getting extended as we speak. You know, I mean... <laughs> yes, him and Baker. You know, he'll be best man at Baker's wedding here in a week or two. You know, all that good stuff. Did you see that one dude, Baker Mayfield's working out with Mark Wahlberg? No, I haven't, but I imagine... Yeah, apparently working out yesterday, working out, obviously, you know, because he's doing his thing in California, and who's doing that work- workouts next to him is, uh, you know, Marky Mark, for God's sakes. It, it, did they show him, like, actually side-by-side? Side? There was one, but they were, yeah. Because, like, you know, Baker Mayfield is six foot, and he would probably still tower over Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, but, I mean, but uh, but he wanted to know what, it was the same thing of shorter dudes, but pretty freaking thick, because, I mean... I'd love to know what Baker weighed when he got to Cleveland as opposed to what he weighs now. I mean, look, I'm not concerned because I think it's just an overall general thickness. But, uh, you know, you know, Baker's eating well. He's working out well. Baker's a, Baker's a pretty thick dude for only six feet tall right now. Let's, 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 let's not get into Brady Quinn territory where you, you know. No, 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 no. It ain't like that where I'm worried about, <laughs> the, you know. What I find funny is that he and, and he and Austin, Austin Seibert are both built like that. Like Austin Seibert is built like a, uh, kind of like a rugby player. Like he's, he's short, but he's squatty. Like he, he's if like five, nine. I think he's listed like two fifteen. Like he's a thick dude for a kicker. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're all like that. It's funny to me, but yeah, I'm gonna, no, it's that, that, that's the only thing you worry about is like, is he going to get too big? And you know, are we going to get Bertie Quinn territory where he's more interested in looking good, allegedly, than than being a great quarterback? Uh, yeah. Now, and this is just something to close with here. Um, if you guys don't know who Scott Fish is, he's very big in the fantasy community, community, and he does. He, I think this year it might almost be nine hundred and sixty participants. He does a huge fantasy football league. Uh, a lot of fantasy guys. You know, uh, you know, a lot of other NFL guys. Uh, yeah, I think this is either my third or fourth year in it now. Um, and takes all the entrance money, um, and everybody donates money, and he has a thing which is called Fantasy Cares. And I think last year, I mean, hell, it might have been close to $20,000. Goes out, buys a whole bunch of presents for, you know, orphans, kids who got nothing, and, you know, spreads it all out or whatever. So uh, you know, the draw comes in today, the division. I got put in there. I got put in there with Thor Nystrom, for God's sakes, Pete from Roto World. The division I got put in, I, I'm done. I'm buried before even draft. And this is how it went for me last year. I went in, I drafted. I was feeling really good. It was a really good squad. Until Levy and Bell said, screw everybody. And then I had Jarek McKinnon. Obviously, you know, what did he take? Two carries in a Niners uniform? Almost immediately. Yeah. 
So I, I, that, that was literally over before it started. And I'm in there with some of, you know, I'm in there with a couple of the fantasy elite of the elite. Yeah, it's it's going to be a very, very, very poor showing. Um, anybody ever looking to donate a couple bucks, check out fantasycares.net or check out uh, Scott Fish and the, the Scott Fish Bowl. It, it's a really cool thing that he does, and, it, and it's a fun thing for everybody. But I love a guy who puts his effort into something where the ultimate thing of it is a greater good. And, you know, Scott Fish, good dude. Uh, you know, he's another one out of that Minneapolis, uh, you know, Minneapolis, Minnesota area where there is a ton of guys doing football work. I guess if you only get out of the house for, what, six to eight weeks a year, Pete, I, I guess you got plenty of time to write and do football work. Yeah, look, uh, if you're good at fantasy, it's a good business to be in. Uh, it doesn't interest me, but I'm happy to see you get your ass kicked in anything. So, um, My boy. That's my boy. Yeah. So, uh, th- 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 this is like uh, this is your your. Uh, I'm good in the fantasy leagues I play in. This is this is you know for me this is like putting it on like warp warp speed. I'm very well in the leagues I play in. Pete, and it's actually funny. You would be good at fantasy. You would. I understand it doesn't interest you, but you would be good at it. Yeah. I, no, but- I, I just know the way your mind works. So that's how I know you would be good at it. So my history with fantasy is I enjoy it until the draft is over. Then I stop caring. Like I am, I'm immediately done. And you know, it, you get like a big injury, and I, I would be just so bitter about it. So that that it doesn't help that you know, growing up as a Browns fan, you know, it, that's not that's another easy way to find yourself not enjoying fantasy football because you can't ever get any of your players and then be worth a shit. But or no, you wouldn't I, want. <laughs> Right. No, that was the thing. It was like, yeah. who are you going to take? Uh, but no, uh, I'm happy to see your. Uh, let's see if you can't uh, shock the world here and, and take out the uh, the heavyweights. Yeah, it's 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 possible. Um, but I, I do one which is a you know, it's a auction draft. So, you know where you know players, but it's also you know once you get a player, you have control. There's contract extensions, which I've been in for five years. I'm sorry, I've been in this league a lot longer than five years. But like, I, I just fi- I'm just finishing. My run with Odell Beckham Jr. in this league, but even I remember I, I I sent you the picture last year, and it was the first, it was the first Bengal game, and I had Patrick Mahomes, which I waited a year on before I could use him. I drafted Baker Mayfield as my backup. And I remember sending you, I, I had almost like a, a a big fat Browns lineup. It was the it was the Bengal game. I had Baker, I had Nick Chubb, I had David Njoku, and it was just and I I'm laughing at people going, I am killing this dude in a fantasy game based on Browns players. And it was just a huge, huge sign of, oh, yeah, the, the, the times are changing because Browns guys are going to go flying off the board this year pretty quick. So, uh, And I, I've actually been – I brought up Thor Nystrom from Roto World. I'm going to have him come on here. Um, so we'll have him do an – we'll do an episode with him so I can get you guys, uh, you know, some fantasy information. You, know, you can find out about your Browns. Um, obviously, most of you with your, you know – Ohio listenership, obviously, you're going to be competing with, uh, you know, a lot of your people over Browns fans, which should be interesting, as opposed to just saying, well, you know, all right, I'll take him because he's a Brown, and maybe he'll play one week. But there is that. Jeff is admitting he is that guy who's going to bring up, without being prompted, to tell you about his fantasy team. And, yes, this happens in my DMs. Yes, it does. Dude, I got Mahomes and Baker Mayfield. I want to play two quarterbacks week in, week out. I want to play two I, of them. No, I, the, the only, I guess, fantasy-related experiment I'd be interested in would be if you, if you, you know, whatever, however your league is set up, you basically have 
whatever your team is against just the stock Browns offense and see who, see if you can beat the Browns stock offense. That'd be it's certainly uh, that would be interesting. But I mean, and Peter, and I got a backfield of Kamara, Geis, and Nick Chubb. This is a good squad. I got Dante Pettis. I got oh, Dante Pettis was my savior last year when Odell Beckham. Basically okay. said, yeah, I got a thigh bruise, and you guys just ain't freaking worthy of me playing for you anymore. And if I hear one more thing about Eli Manning, I'm just going to freaking nuke this entire freaking building. Uh, with that, Pete, have there anything we've missed? Yeah, but it's, you know, it, we could tease it because at some point we'll talk about it on another show. Um, there's talk that, you know, the, the decision is coming. Yes, on Tyreek. Tyreek Hill. But the biggest news about this is that all indications are the Chiefs have every intention of him being a Chief, um, which is, you know, this is sort so of... So it's going to go the Ray Rice route. Uh, we, ain't gonna, we ain't got nothing to see, so we're kind of going to pretend it. Uh, and uh, But, I mean, can you hand this guy $40 million? Can you, I mean, what are you doing? That that becomes the real question is if they're going to suck it up and deal with it this last year as to, as to what happens. But they're, you know, and and people can blame this on whatever they want. But they there is a a attitude that look you do something wrong or you do something that's controversial, you do something questionable, you basically sit on it as long as humanly possible. Eventually count on the fact that people are going to move on and, and move on to something else to be outraged by and then just go ahead and do it anyway, uh, which seems to be exactly what's happening with Tyreek Hill. They basically have taken all the barbs and arrows to this point. There will be another round of them uh, whenever this decision comes down. And there may be people legitimately uh, protesting uh, at Chiefs training camp this year. I don't know, but there really seems to be an element of Look, eventually they'll stop doing this, and we're, you know he makes us, He's going to help us on the football field and, and screw everything else with it, which is um, disappointing for me. Uh, certainly, uh, and and I, and I blame some of this small part on this on, on John Dorsey and the NFL media, I suppose, in that he you know they did cut Kareem Hunt. The Browns picked him up. They did get some blowback, but at the same time, there there's a weird mix in of praise, despite the fact that. Uh, Kareem Hunt, you know, we're still going on this thing. He could easily screw this whole thing up. But, like, I, I, the, the best thing that could have possibly happened would have been to sort of let this thing just stay quiet and not mess with it. But when you're sitting there praising the, praising the team for, for having done this, it makes it very easy or, or easier for, the, for a team like the Chiefs to say, well, why don't we get rid of this guy who's just going to go somewhere else and that team's going to get praised for for signing them. That's you know that's a bullshit double standard. So there's a there's a lot of frustrating elements to this. And like I said, I'm sure this will be its own show at some point. Well, and this is you know, and this is the league has to do something. You you are the NFL. You're always going to survive. The one or two guys and look, you know, DWIs they happen. These guys serve their penance. Uh, you know, still, it's bad. But, I mean, keep your, and as we always say, keep your goddamn freaking hands to yourself. You know, you're an NFL player. Some guy comes at you in a bar, whatever, that's fine. you got to defend yourself. That is what it is. But, uh, you know, women, children, 
keep your goddamn fucking hands to yourself. There's just nothing more. Uh, Pete, what's, uh, what everybody expect uh, the latest over at Browns, maybe? Um, you know, this will come out after it's already uh, aired, but uh, the thing I'll have up tomorrow is basically, you know, praising building the Browns for helping us get through the six-week six week death march to yes. actual uh, training camp football. and It's kind of funny because they've taken the momentum of hard knocks and said, you know what, why don't we do this? And, you know, we'll kill that dead period of the, the two months between, you know, May and then when camp finally opens. Yeah, it's, it's the you know, I, I don't know how, you know, deliberate this was. I, you know, it's, on some level they had to take the time to get the footage of minicamp and all those things. But it's absolutely awesome that the timing has worked out so it's coming out now. And you're getting a little taste uh, every week to get you to training camp that's it's 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 obviously a great show anyway but the fact that the timing just it's got to be huge for them they've got to be crushing it in terms of like the amount of people who are watching it right now uh with them but at the same time it's it's very very nice to have that get it help us get through Uh, you need something in you know that's a part of the year and because look i mean some of us don't really go otherwise you know i don't mind watching my mets night in night out but it's just you know it's the saliva, and you know, and for me, it's still the former player because you know, you know, obviously, you know, Pete coaching high school, it wasn't as nuanced back then. Like for me, you know, I, this is about the time it picked up. You know, you went, you worked out, we went to the field, we all messed around. You know, I mean, you know, got our weight work in, went to the field, did some things, and it was just the process of getting it going. So, the football player, I mean, never dies in that respect, and it's you know. I'll be honest, if I could, you know, get me past, get me to 4th of July, let me celebrate that day, whatever, but yeah, if I could fall asleep, uh, you know, the night of the 4th, Ju- 4th of July, and we're, you know, wake me up when training camp starts, let's rock, because, you know, it's, and obviously it's because of what's on the table, if you had asked me this last summer, I probably would have left at you, um, but now, yeah, that is totally where we're at, um, uh, at underscore Pete Smith underscore make sure you're following Pete over there uh, at Browns Maven throw a follow over there Pete's busting his ass putting out content there every day brownsmaven.com the podcast Twitter account at locked on Browns um, like I said guys um you're looking for tickets I know a lot I know a lot of people got more than they're probably gonna need you need help tweet at me tweet at the show or whatever you know I'll retweet try to help you guys out try to get as many people in there as long as it can be done obviously you know through the electric process because uh, you know I, a lot of people are I'm sure got more than they're going to be able to go. And you see people saying, oh, I got for the 27th, the 29th, the the 1st, the 3rd. There's no way people are making, you know, four Browns mini camps in seven days or whatever. So we'll see if we can help you out there. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, you know, to the sponsors, Hotels.com, Blue Chew, always appreciated. You can always listen to the show at Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google Play, Himalaya. Again, always ratings, reviews. Greatly, greatly appreciated. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.